You're listening to the New Stack Makers, a podcast made for people who develop, deploy, and manage at scale software. For more conversations and articles, go to thenewstack.io. All right, now on with the show. Millions of developers use Docker to build, share, and run applications with an integrated, reliable, and secure workflow that accelerates app delivery from code to the cloud. See how at docker.com. Insight Partners is an investor in Docker and TNS. Hey, Scott. How you doing? Alex, doing well. Good to Great. see you again. Good to see you. Here with Scott Johnson. Longtime Docker uh, veteran, CEO. How did you start out at Docker? What year was that? Joined February 2014. February 2014. 20 of us, open source engineers, Solomon, founder, Ben yeah. Golub, CEO at the time. I was yeah. leading product. Where were you before? It's a Puppet. Oh, you were a Puppet. So I discovered Docker while I was at Puppet. Ah. Because uh, three months after Docker, so Docker open source, March 2013. Yeah. Three months after that, it started showing up in the Puppet accounts. Oh, it did. And I was like, what is this? And, you know, dug in, and it's like, Oh, this is going to change things. Because <laughs> I mean, we were trying to solve similar things, right? So Puppet was trying to make environments consistent, but it was doing it from the outside in by automation yeah. configuration. Yeah. And Docker, of course, completely flipped them all around and says, no, make the, make the images immutable, capture that, and then ship the container. So it was a completely different way of solving the problem. Yeah. And, and it's like, I got to get on that train. So I joined six months after that. Huh. So. Are you a software engineer by trade? By training, and then I was a software engineer up till um, my first several jobs out of school before business school were software engineering. Uh huh. So, worked for Sun Microsystems, worked in Japan for a while as a software engineer. So, you must have been starting to do some software development when you came to Docker. I mean, in a managerial role. They, they don't let me touch production did, code did, anymore. No, so I was um, so I was I was uh, running product at Puppet, and so they asked ah, me to come to Docker to run product. Run a product Docker. there. Yeah, right. Yeah. But they don't let me touch production code anymore. Okay, good. I still participate in the hackathons, and we have the uh, the advent of code every year. So I still dust off dust off my coding, but uh, I, I should not do production code. It's funny because I get in trouble if I I would get in trouble if I went on to the site. And, and change something in an article. My, my editor-in-chief would be like, what are you doing? Put that down, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> But, yeah, so you must have like really changed your perspective on application development back then. I mean, do you remember anything in particular that? Well, so th these, these platform changes, right, they come about when it's not a 10% or a 15% change, but it's like a 10x change, yeah. right? And I could see in Docker, just how radically simplified making environments consistent was, right? Because because in Puppet you had to learn Puppet DSL, you had to you know set up the Puppet server, you had to like put the agents on the yeah. node, like like getting there was really really hard. Yeah. And I could see with Docker, it's like oh Docker file, like this looks like a bash set yeah. of bash commands, like oh we're we're done. Yeah. And I could just see like the step function in simplicity was just gonna blow things up in a, in a good way. So. Now, it's all at that early stage of the market, like, it was yeah. super early, but like, I, I just, it was 10x better yeah. than anything else at the time. Yeah, it, it kind of felt like magic in a, in a way, uh -huh. you know, and that's why early technologies often feel that are significant early that's right. technologies, that's right. right? 
That's right. So I think now, like, what have been the significant t- technologies along with Docker over the years, right? I think cloud services, they predated Docker, but they enabled in many ways what you could do with Docker. That's right. right? Well, they brought this whole notion of on-demand and elasticity, right, which right. was getting exciting around the VMs. And I think when, when Docker and containers came on, like it really took advantage of cloud properties, right? I'll say Kubernetes, of course, or yeah. orchestration in general, and then Kubernetes yeah. kind of capitalized on it in terms of like, okay, how do you deploy and orchestrate containers at scale automatically? Right. Because that just opened up like, oh, now I can take this one container and I can automatically replicate it across yeah. 100 nodes right. just by changing a YAML file. Like, mm-hmm. like it, really, it, it really put powerful tools, powerful automation tools in the hands of operators that they didn't have before. Yeah. So those are a couple examples that I, I think they, they contributed to this wave uh-huh. of, of where we are today. Right? Yeah, so the next magical thing I think that's arrived is is what? It's a Gen AI, yeah. right? I mean, not to jump on the meme of the moment, but it everything we see internally, because we're using it internally, but also within our community, it really does have that 10X type property, that 10X type feel to it. Right now, there's so many things to figure out. Like, the market is super early, but, but boy, just the early signs are so yeah. exciting. So, if I think about the state of Docker today, right, and that's really what I want to talk with you about, I, I think of all those things. I think of the cloud, I think of uh, container technologies overall and how they're basically the foundation for cloud native technologies. Yeah, right? anything deployed to the cloud today is deployed in container. Right. I think of like new emerging technologies like WebAssembly, mm-hmm. which yep. you all have accepted. Yep. yep. And then there's the uh, the large language models. And the one concept that I hear from you over the past two days is speed. And that seems to be always been a theme for you. How does that change now? Because I wonder how fast is it is ever it's ever going to get. Right? Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it's, well, it's an interesting axis, right? And you might think that. Sometimes speed and time can be different dimensions, but the emphasis is like, how do you just allow the devs to spend time on what they do best, right? Yeah. Which is creating and innovating. That's that's what they want to do. That, yeah. That's how we all got in the business, right? We got in the business because we hate black boxes. We like knowing what's going inside the box. We like tinkering. We like figuring out the puzzle. And anything that is not that, yeah. right? Like, let's just remove that. I mean, the Docker debug is a good example of this, right? So not to talk about our, our show too much, but to just to get into a container and start debugging had so much overhead associated with yeah. it that they'd spend more time setting it up than actually solving the problem. And I think today on stage you also heard very very authentically that, that Gen AI doesn't take jobs. It's going to take the repetitive toil well, yeah. and the repetitive code off developers' plates so they can focus on like, okay, how can I solve this problem more more cleverly, if that's a if that's right. a word. How can I solve this problem more elegantly? And wow, that's a bigger problem than I had time to think about before. But now I have the time back because of Gen AI to go think about that problem. So right. it, it's speed and time, Alex. And yeah. I think they can be different sides of the same coin in some sense, right? I'm not convinced that Gen AI will not take jobs away, but I'm not convinced about it either. I thought about this one during the some of the discussions today. Yeah. And this is kind of a, an angle, you know, on our discussion, but it gets back to your focus on speed and everything else. But if, folk, if people are going to be focused on finding the gray areas, right, and yeah. do you need just as many people to do that? Yeah, yeah. Or yeah. is yeah. it because the, the rate of application development going to be so much, so much more voluminous? Right. 
that that'll keep the people employed as developers. Yeah, yeah. I, I think all those factors result in more developers coming into the market that will just, there's going to be more demand for apps that will just suck up that supply. Yeah. You may have heard of this analogy before, but um, it used to, there used to be a thought of like, well, if we just make highways wider, then there'll be no traffic jams yeah. because we'll have plenty of highway capacity. But it turns out every time you add a lane, yeah. more cars, like, yeah. it's just, it's, it's not um, supply constrained. It's not highway supply constrained, yeah. there's always more demand, right? Yeah. And, and I think if we look at the history of technology, that's always been the case when a new 10X type functionality comes on the scene, right? So to your point, are some jobs going to be replaced? Perhaps some, but new jobs are going to be created, right? So let's 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 roll it back as another example. So it used to be all developers were assembly coders, yeah, right. So when when higher level languages like C came along, like did all the assembly coding go away? No, but the market for C developers just blew up, right? And then Python came along and interpreted languages, it blew up further, and now the low-code note, like, like every time you simplify with an abstraction, it just expands the market. And and then on the demand side for applications, it's always wanting more. It's yeah. always wanting more. The stat we have, which we've shared before, I think it's from IDC, that there's a demand for more than 750 million apps in the next two years, which is more apps that have been written in the entire 40-year history of IT. Yeah. And we're not surprised by that because every time you kind of simplify and give powerful tools to a creative class and developers are a creative class, like they figure out fantastic, innovative ways to apply that that we a priori didn't see coming. So no, I think it's going to be a multiplier. I think it's okay. going to be an expander. I wanted to ask about uh, this idea though too about what Solomon said in the earlier years. He talked about making the internet programmable, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And this mm -hmm. concept that it seems like with what we're seeing for about a year discussion is like that that mission is still there right you know to like because and I think what you say just said about developers speaks to that yes that's right if we roll back again maybe an analogy of prior generations right so there was distributed computing in the late 80s early 90s through the command line like there was Waze and Gopher and FTP and you could jump around and look at these yeah remote resources, and they were networked together. Yeah. HTTP, as you know, was originally a command line tool. Like, it didn't have a browser, right? right? And people were hopping around, like, but it was a very small class of, like, graduate students in yeah. CS that could that could take advantage of that. Yeah. And then Andreessen and Mosaic at the University of Illinois came on with the browser that put yes. a graphical interface on top of that and just made it as easy as a click to jump from that server to this server. In fact, you yeah. didn't have to know you were jumping server to server, right? You were just clicking on links, yeah. right? And look what... I mean, the 90s, the 90s happened, right? The, the, yeah. the web as we know it happened by simplifying tech that was already there, but just too difficult for normal humans to use. And Salman's vision, I, I agree with your, your observation, Alex, it is, it is still very much alive, and each of these new abstractions, Gen AI being the latest, just simplifies the access of doing that for more and more developers. Again, maybe just talking about day one a bit, you perhaps saw this in the next generation builds, right? Where the developer can still use Docker build locally, and then by the flip of a switch, they don't have to change anything else. All of a sudden, they're now taking advantage of servers in the cloud, but they don't have to provision anything, they don't have to secure anything, they don't have to set up a VPN between their local laptop and the cloud. Like, so that's an example of making the internet and the interface of the internet just simpler and more easily accessible. Because the dev wants to stay in their environment. They want to stay in their language. They want to stay in their IDE. They don't want to jump out and set up a bunch of infrastructure to go program that remote service. They just want to do it. Yeah, they just want to do that. 
So what does that mean for the future of Docker and the future of containers? The footprint of a container, the, for, the, the size of containers are getting bigger, especially with, with LLMs. What does that say for the future of containers and how you may need to adapt Docker? Sure. I, I heard the web GPUs that you're developing yeah, yeah. seems to be a step toward that. <laughs> Super cool, right? Yeah. Well, so web GPU, it, it's related, I'll say, continues to invest in the promise of portability, right? Because yeah. today, if you do GPU local development, you're, you're pinning it to your local laptop, yeah. and you try to move that to the cloud, you got to rewrite it. Yeah. Okay, don't do that, right? So, write it once, right. and then ship it to the cloud, and now it can take advantage of the cloud GPU stack, which might have 10 times the GPUs as your local laptop, but you don't have, as a developer, you don't have to worry about that. Right. Right? So, that's an example of, it goes back to your, your previous question, of just like, simplify, Simplify that stuff so the yeah. developer just writes once to a GPU API that is reusable wherever. Yeah. Right? You know, in terms of your, your kind of just now question, and we, we talked about this last year with our WASM announcement. Yeah. Like, our, our company, when we went through the recapitalization restructuring four years ago, we kind of committed and pivoted to focus on developers and we committed to like serve them wherever they are. And that, at the time, was Linux containers, Linux and Windows containers. But we've seen that expand from Linux and Windows containers to serverless functions, to yeah. WASM, to now, you know, Gen AI will produce some other artifact, potentially. And so, containers, much like mainframes are still with us, containers will continue to be with us, VMs are still with us. So containers are going to continue to be a hugely important artifact, but never bet against technology from continuing to change and continue to find ways that are more secure, lighter, faster. And I think WASM is a candidate for that. Cer certainly serverless continues to grow. And you and I will be here talking about the next thing, Alex, in yeah. three to five yeah, years, for right? Sure. But but our intent is like wherever that developer is, make it easy for them to take advantage of that new technology, much like the, the GPU. We're making it easy for them to take advantage of GPUs in the cloud without them having to think about it. And so that leads me questions about like container management space which is growing rapidly. I saw some data from that Michael Cote shared on his email newsletter about, it's just growing tremendously into the multi-billion dollar market, really. And so, I look at that, I and mean, we worry about technology, not really about the business side, but I think about that in terms of the exponential increase and in what Docker might need, you know, needs to do to like keep up with that mm. pace of that market mm. and you know, and it seems to me what you're saying here is that it comes back to your fundamentals and focusing on the developer where they are. Do That's you see right. any particular right. areas that are growing particularly strong that speak to that growth that Cote oh, was talking the, about? Yes, yeah, so, so I can I can share our our conversation. So as you, as you know, the container management space before the reset four years ago, we had our own offering there, right? And now we don't, right? Yeah. So all of those, which were potentially competitors four or five yeah. years ago, they're now friends, right? Yeah. So the developers build containerized images, containerized applications with Docker Desktop and they deploy to all these different yeah. management stacks. So we are, they are beneficiaries of our developer activity. That's and a good that, delineation right? to make. That's, right? I, that, that's really important. Yeah, it is. Like, like we go from Docker Desktop to AWS EKS or Docker Desktop to Red Hat OpenShift or Docker Desktop to Rancher. Like VMware Tanzan, right? All, all of it, all yeah. of it, right? And so, fantastic. So that's just from a relationship and partner yeah. ecosystem standpoint, that's been really helpful. To your question, it, it's it's always fascinates me, Alex, like the Gibson quote, like the future's here, it's just not evenly distributed. And so we in tech think like, oh, containers, cloud, like pervasive, everyone's using it, right? 
but we go into our large customers, particularly those in regulated industries, yeah. and we'll see one business unit that is onboard containers and, and uh, container management tools, typically in the cloud, but boy, the other nine business units are just getting started. Yeah. And so I think the driver of growth, going back to Cody's note, is that there's a, there's, a, there's a later stage of the market that is just now saying like, wow, this is fantastic for any type of application, .NET, Java, legacy, Node, and let's get on board. And, and there's a lot of users there. And so as they onboard, as they onboard their applications to the tune of like, not hundreds, but thousands, if not tens of thousands of applications, yeah. that's driving the growth in container management. So maybe coming back to your question about Docker, a, a lot of that growth is, is not net new applications, it's modernizing legacy apps. And so there's an opportunity for us to help those developers that are sitting with a 10-year-old application that's still delivering value, but they want to take it to the cloud to help lower the, the friction of containerizing that. You made that shift away from container management. What you're saying is Docker Desktop enables a developer to work with those uh, container management. Deploy to, to those, to right? Deploy to those. Deploy to those. And then we could help accelerate this growth that you're, you're citing from Cody's note by giving developers even more tools to understand their legacy apps, containerize them automatically. In fact, there's, there's good Gen AI use cases around this as well. And then package them in containers and ship them to the container management tools. So, you know, if I was going to think of Docker as a platform, or maybe it is just Docker Hub, is that what it is and will be? Is like that hub is where you find these tools for Docker extensions, for example? Yeah. Is, is that your future? Our, our vision, thank, thank you for that, our vision is that Hub can be that marketplace for any and all developer tools and content. And we're seeing that already happen. That's, that's not just wishful thinking. So it already has Linux containers, Windows containers, WASM objects, serverless functions. It already has architectures of x86 and ARM and mainframe and RISC-V or RISC-V. It already has extensions and tools and container images. So it's already very well populated with a very heterogeneous, broad and deep set of artifacts and tools for development teams. And I think as long as we keep it open and lower the friction to add to it, like it's just going to continue to grow like that. So as you kind of move, in my last question, as you move into this next generation, right, of AI and ML, like what will help Docker become like a much larger organization than it is today? So as an ecosystem, there's 20 million monthly actives pulling from Hub and what, 15 million registered developers, but I think you mean the the corporate entities. Yeah, that, I'm that thinking correct? of the size oh, of the company. Okay. okay. But yeah, I know there's a lot of <laughs> the, the ecosystem out there. is big. I mean, yeah. we're celebrating yeah. that today here at DockerCon. So the reason four years later we're growing is that organizations are realizing that developers are no longer this backroom persona yeah. that you can just throw whatever at and they'll have to deal with it. They're realizing developers make the architectural decisions for the application as for and for the tools yeah. that then drive you know, in some cases, billions of dollars of spend later. Yeah. And it took a while, but organizations have now connected those dots. And as a result, we're seeing, at least in our business, a continued shift in spend that prioritizes the developer experience, that prioritizes giving not just a great developer experience, but a high velocity, very productive one. And there's still a lot of work to do there. I mean, today's conference, today, the last two days of conference shows you where we're investing in helping developers go faster, helping them deliver safe applications automatically, right, versus having to like get the alert and go explore yeah. the CVE database and let, right? Yeah. And, and our conviction is that 
continue to deliver more and more products into that space will result in growth in the business. We'll, we'll be able to grow customer base, grow the customer spend with Docker, and hire more engineers, and just keep that loop going. I mean, even just today, looking at all the use cases that, what, three or four years ago, before LLMs really became a thing, were unheard of. I mean, there's entire categories that are being formed as you and I sit here, and those categories are either right where we are, or they're right adjacent to us, that we can provide product and great experiences into. So, future's bright, both need some sunglasses, Alex. Well, thanks, Scott, for your time, I appreciate it. Thank you for the questions, Alex, always good to see you. I'm glad good we're back face-to-face. -face. Yes, definitely. Millions of developers use Docker to build, share, and run applications with an integrated, reliable, and secure workflow that accelerates app delivery from code to the cloud. See how at docker.com. Insight Partners is an investor in Docker and TNS. Thanks for listening. If you like the show, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's one of the best ways you can help us grow this community, and we really appreciate your feedback. You can find the full video version of this episode on YouTube. Search for the new stack, and don't forget to subscribe so you never miss any new videos. Thanks for joining us and see you soon.